0: That's me. Cue the preacher. Go. <laughs> and go. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm thankful. Thankful to be here. Thankful to um, just have a friendship with Mercy Hill. It, it, is, uh, it is a friendship. And, um, you know, maybe this is the first time we're getting to meet, uh, and maybe not. But um, it, it has been... Um, it has been, one, on, on my end, I'm very grateful for your vision for ministry, for your vision for, uh, for this community, um, for Young Life um, as well. Y- you guys have always had the what is mine is yours kind of mentality and uh, servanthood, so I thank you for that, um, and yeah, I reciprocate that, uh, Scott, very thankful for Uh, Our friendship and uh, your humility, um, your grace, your moldability, uh, the enjoyment of the friendship, uh, your heart to just do whatever God has called you to do, that's always been evident. So anyway, thrilled to be here. Thank you for your attention for the next whatever, however many uh, minutes. Uh, I do want to dive into Mark 10, 35 through 45, classic passage uh, that we probably have all experienced before but um i i love that mercy hill is doing a series on eldership and what that looks like and defining that and this morning i want to look at uh, worldly leadership versus spiritual leadership worldly leadership or leadership driven by the flesh controlled by the flesh and then leadership uh led by the spirit grounded in the word of god what does that look like uh and and this is my encouragement yes to the elders Uh, But also, to everyone here, we are all called to spiritual leadership. None of us are exempted just because maybe you're not gifted with that particular spiritual gift. Maybe you say, well, I'm a behind-the-scenes person. That's fine. That's fine. We all have a sphere of influence. We all have a circle. We all have a network. And we are to be Jesus with skin on to that network. And so all of us are leaders. All of us are spiritual leaders. Uh, leadership is, um, is in high, high demand. The world is desperate for good leaders uh, that are pure, that are others-centered. Uh, those two things blow the minds of people in the world. They don't see it, right? Everybody's got an ulterior motive. Everybody's got an angle. Uh, hopefully, except the body of Christ. Hopefully, we have no other angle but God's glory, Right? Uh, Hopefully that is our angle. Um, Brian Billick wrote a book called Competitive Leadership, 12 Principles for Success. And I think you could probably fill in all the chapters, right? I'll just name a few. Be values-oriented. Be prepared. Be self-disciplined. Be knowledgeable. Be performance-oriented. Be a communicator. Be a motivator. Right? These are all so predictable. Be a problem solver. Be a team builder. Be opportunistic. Be self-assured. Be courageous. Okay, all those are good. Those are fine. That's worldly leadership. What is it missing? What did you not hear in there? Be a servant. Right? First is last. The last is first. You want to be great? Be the servant of all. The slave of all. That's what's missing from the world. So that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. Uh, interesting thing, if you do an Amazon book search and just type in leadership, you're gonna get 230,000 titles, 230,000 books on leadership, okay? If you narrow the search down to servant leadership, give me a guess. Let's do a little, little uh, you know, popcorn guessing. What do, we, what do we got? How many searches came up? What, say it again, 500? Okay. Less. That's good. More. Somewhere in between 10 and 500. Come on. Give it to me. 100? Less. All right. Oh, less. I love it. This is so Games are fun. 50. 43. 43. That was the closest. That was excellent. 43. And you know what most of those books are about? church offices like deacon or how to be an elder, okay? Wow. What if we all carried and embodied this idea of being a servant leader, right? Not that we need books about it, but what if we all made it a mark of our lives? What if when people looked at our lives, they said, oh, oh, that, that's what A follower of Jesus looks like wow they really they just serve it's crazy what what if that were the mark of our lives so I want to propose that you know the title of the sermon is not so with you and and we'll see that how Jesus flips the script in this in this passage but this that was the haunting verse in when I studied this passage not so with you he has a different standard for you and for me as followers of Christ Not so with you. So let me pray because I want to get out of the way and let's let's jump into scripture here. Uh, Dear Father, we thank you uh, for your presence in our lives. God, we thank you for this morning. What an honor to just come together with other believers and celebrate your word. God, celebrate your resurrection and your grace and your mercy and what you want to do in our lives, Uh, but also humbly come before your word, uh, God, and, and be shaped by it. Uh, would you speak to all of us, and would you use um, my humble efforts, God, to handle your word properly, uh, Holy Spirit, my lips are yours, my hands are yours, my heart is yours, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at 10, <clears throat> 35 through 45, but I want to just go back to give context. Look at 32, verse 32, all right, in your Bible if you, if you turn there. I, I don't think I prepped anybody for this, so it might not be on the screen, but uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 32 says this, and they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Oh, wow, how weird that they were amazed and afraid at the same time. Interesting, and taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him. Okay, so this is the third prediction. This is the third passion, pre- pre- excuse me, prediction. This is the third time Jesus was saying, "All right, fellas, here's what's going to happen to me." All right, so he's about to describe it. I'm not going to go into verses 33 and 34, but he gives some pretty detailed accounts of like where it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And, and, and I'm guessing that's why they were pretty afraid. So they're going up to Jerusalem, okay? 3,500 uh, um, foot elevation, okay? It's a bit of a climb, 20 miles. It's a bit of a hike, all right? And I imagine he's unpacking what's going to happen right through the whole time. And, um, and they're pretty freaked out. They're pretty freaked out. But I love that it says they were amazed and afraid at the same time. And I just think, what a great description of the Christian life. I mean, if we're really dialed into what God is calling us to do, we should be scared. <laughs> there should be something about uh, God's will that makes us shudder a little bit, right? When God lays somebody on your heart in your neighborhood or, or maybe a friend of the family, uh, whoever, to share Christ with, right, that should scare us. But we should also be amazed and excited and, and, and leaning into that, right? So there was a mixture of these for these guys. Uh, but I want to point out that Jesus was ahead of them. Jesus was, in essence, walking to his death. And there was no falter, there was no hesitation, there was no flinching, there was no delay. He was confidently ahead of these guys leading the way to his death that is amazing that that is a call to worship right there right how many of you and 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 myself included how many of us delay even just going to the doctor right We, we keep kicking that can down the road much less uh you know Jesus is walking to his doom um to bear the weight of the sin of the world and he was out in front Totally amazed by that. And these guys were fearful. They, did, you know, they were still stuck in this mindset of an earthly kingdom, right? They couldn't get out of that. Um, they couldn't get out of that mentality. Um, but God was going to take them there. So, verses 35, then, we start to see this selfish request, okay? If, if, you, like, if you like section titles, we're going to get into the selfish request, all right? So, let's look at 35 through 37. This is how it reads. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and the other on your left hand, in your glory. Wow, pretty bold request. Coming from... Two people that were in his inner sanctum right this was his inner circle now let's go back to the other two passion predictions all right the first one uh if you'll recall was when peter uh you know he jesus said hey i'm i'm gonna die and peter's like no nah, no way and he you know rebukes him you know never you know and jesus does the whole like yo satan get behind me right that whole thing that came from peter all right peter was in his inner circle all right? The second passion prediction then came from John, who assumed the role of spokesman for the group, and, uh, you know, he, he contested with Jesus about an exorcism that happened from a follower of Jesus, but not one of the disciples. And Jesus is like, ah, uh, chill out. Chill out, John. Um, you know, let him do his thing, right? So, Number two, also, again, part of the inner circle, and now James and John, part of the inner circle, are now coming and laying this incredibly self-centered, self-promoting request before Jesus, right on the heels, oh my goodness, right on the heels of him describing his death for them. Wow. I, I would have absolutely lost it Darren in the flesh would have, maybe even Darren like 50% in the spirit, I would have completely lost it if those were my guys. Like, have I taught you nothing? Have you learned nothing up to this point? I definitely would have slapped somebody around. You know, it's a good thing I'm not Jesus. But Jesus just takes it in stride. Uh, This passage, I believe, and I, I, I encourage you, to be in tune with, with the Lord right now, to, to really think this through and take this to heart. This should, this should promote worship in your, in your heart this morning because of how beautiful Jesus handles this situation and because of who he is. So they were basically asking Jesus to sign a blank check. Hey, give us whatever we want, right? This is like uh, maybe a four-year-old going to mom and saying, mom, you know. Say yes, you know, and, and mom doesn't even know what they're about to ask, right? Just say yes. Promise me you'll say yes, you know. This is this kind of immature blank check that they were asking for. James and John, presumptuous. But I want to I look at it a little bit because there, there are some positives in, in the things that they, in, in what they were asking. Uh, they were ambitious. They were ambitious. Misguided, none, you know, nonetheless, for sure. Uh, but there was some ambition for growth and for kingdom. There was something good in there. They, they wanted it. They wanted to go after it, right? Uh, definitely misguided. But they, they thought there was going to be an earthly kingdom. And, and they, they wanted to see this thing come to fruition. Uh, they definitely, secondly, you know, failed to understand what Jesus was doing, I, 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 I definitely give them that, they failed to understand um, what Jesus was doing, especially on the heels of hearing the forecast, right, um, I'm going to give my life, you know, I, it's, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, right, they had just heard that, and boom, they make this request, Interestingly enough, there's positives. They actually were taking Jesus at his word. If you'll think back with me to other passages, Matthew 19, 28 um, describes the 12 of them kind of sitting on thrones in the future kingdom. Interesting. So to some degree, they were claiming the promise that Jesus had made uh, that in the future they would be you know, kind of heads of groups in the future kingdom. Um, You know, we also learned that their mom, Salome, uh, we learned from the Matthew account, that she came with them and was kind of the spokesperson for for them. And so she was a part of this thing too. So do you remember when Jesus said, where two or more gather in my name, there I am in the midst, right? Ask anything. Okay, so they were like, ah, we got, okay, me, me and you, too. Okay, so your mom, let's, hey, our moms, you know, let's, let's. that's three. That's more than enough, right? So they, they were thinking of, you know, things that Jesus had said, and they were placing their faith in those things, right? So, so what was missing in this request? It's interesting, you know, that we can read in James 4, 3, James, I don't know how many years later, 30 years or something like that, now says in retrospect when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. How interesting! How interesting that James, looking back at his life, saw that moment of embarrassment, you know, that moment of selfishness, right? Have you ever had that moment when God lifts the veil and you see a situation for what it is and, and, and you have that selfishness revealed? Gosh, you're kind of naked, right? It's like, ah, ooh, dang, how did, I, how did I say that? How could I have thought that about myself, Right? You know, Jesus is well aware of where you are and where he's going to take you. He, he's got you mapped out. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been. He knows where you are, and he knows where he's going to take you. Is it entirely up to us to grow spiritually, to grow ourselves, to map it out? No, it isn't, right? Uh, Jesus saves us, and Jesus sanctifies us and all we do is relinquish the grip and let him do what he wants to do in our lives we just get out of the way and we just say yes lord right we just say yes lord do whatever you want use whatever means possible to make me more like jesus that's the most important thing he is kneading like yeast in bread he is kneading his character into your life into your heart into the functionality of your life, how you actually are functioning at work as a person, the patience and the love that you have for other people, the peace that you have in times of trial. He's needing that into you. He's making you more like him so that you, like James, can look back at your life and go, oh my gosh, I was a mess back then. Wow, glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your patience with me. I'm undeserving. So there was some selfish motives in, the, in, these, in this request, right? And hey, thank God that he doesn't give us everything we request. Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken a survey of the things you've asked God for and the reason why? And you didn't get that thing? And like 10 years later, you look back at that moment and you go, Oh, wow, wow, I was a selfish cuss. That was all about me, wasn't it? Right? Well, he's, he's squeezing that out. He's squeezing that out of us. Paul says in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing. Do nothing. How many people can say they do absolutely nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit? There's always one prankster, like, yeah, I can do it, you know, not, not at Mercy Hill. You guys are well aware. I love it, right? <laughs> now, none of us can, right? Because that, that's really ultimately the goal in heaven, right? We will be without sin. Praise God, that'll be amazing. Uh, but God is working himself into us and ourselves out of us, right? The old us out. Less of us, more of him. So, let's look at Jesus' response. In verses 38 through 42, he says this. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. The baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant. Oh man, they were hot. They were mad at James and John. And Jesus called to himself and said to them, called them to himself, and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So, I'll pause there. This is the patient response from Jesus, and he also takes this moment to instruct, right? He wants them to get it, even though they don't get it. He's still going to lay it out in front of them and call them to himself. That's another haunting statement. When I read this passage, Jesus called them to himself. It's a beautiful statement. But he starts out by saying, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink? Are you able to be baptized with? Yeah, 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 we can. We can do it. I really think this must have been discouraging for Jesus. You know, remember he was... He was 100% God and 100% man. He felt everything we feel. He was tempted by everything we are tempted to, but never gave in. He did not use his God card, right? Philippians 2, not something to be grasped. So he never laid down his God card like a trump card. He never did that. Uh, We don't know the balance or the mystery there, so I hold this in in a sense of humility. I don't know how the, the, the grayness... Relates to us, right? Uh, We never will, Uh, but he never used his God card. So here, Jesus, as 100% man, took this situation in stride. The greatest leader to ever walk the 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 planet, right? Took this in great stride, and I I do want I want to call out the elders in a good way. Think about this in your position. You you've been called here as a spiritual leader. You're an under shepherd, but you're a shepherd, right? You've been called. I know your patience is being taxed and maxed and not because you're a sinful person or whatever, but uh, you're dealing with a lot. You guys have full-time jobs. You're doing your thing, and yet you're called to serve here. You're handling situations that are not easy. You're always a pioneer because you've never handled that situation with that particular person in that particular time. So there's interesting dynamics every situation you come up against. Just challenge you just take things in stride look to the lord lay it down listen to how he leads let him minister to you think about jesus and how he handles this the same god is in you you can do this you can take it in stride with patience you do not know what you are asking jesus says and here he utilizes two jewish metaphors right the cup and the baptism Uh, the cup symbolized you know a royal banquet kind of custom right and it it really was um a statement that that meant to fully undergo a particular situation or experience right my cup overflows psalm 23 right it's it in describing the fullness of life that is in christ my cup overflows it's a full experience Right? But there's also a cup of wrath. There's there's a cup of wrath and and judgment. Right? At the hand of the Lord, Isaiah 51 says, the cup of his wrath. So it just means a full undergoing of a particular experience. And he's saying to his disciples, "Oh, oh, you will drink. Oh, you will be baptized. You will fully experience, yes, the overflow of the Christian life, but you will experience... The struggle and the pain of bearing suffering, right? You're going to go through it. You will be immersed in it, baptism, to be immersed, overwhelmed, plunged into, right? All the disciples but John were martyred in one way or another, right? Peter hung upside down, uh, you know, John the Baptist beheaded, right? People around him were martyred. John was not, but did you know, and he, it was attempt, they attempted to boil him alive, and, and he got away. That's, you know, an extra biblical text that says that, but uh, a historical document says that they prepared a, some kind of big boiling pot, and they threw him in, and he got out somehow. Do you think he had scars? Probably. So all of them, all of them experienced this cup and this baptism maybe not to the degree of Jesus I mean certainly not but Jesus here's the point uh, without a cross there is no crown that is spiritual leadership that is leadership according to Jesus without a cross there's no crown there must be suffering you know we want comfort so bad in our in our culture that is one of the biggest idols in our culture we want comfort We want ease, we want microwave, not crock pot, we want it now, right? We wanna push buttons and be done with something. And God is all process, you guys. He's gonna take take 80 years in your life to create Christ-likeness, and then you will die and be just like him. He's not gonna do something instantly. You and I pray like, God, take this from me. God, stop this trial. God, this is too hard. Right? We pray instant prayers, and God's like, no, no, draw near. Come near to me. Just believe. Watch what I do in your life. Right? Because he's a process guy. It takes six months, months to grow a squash. It takes 80 years to grow an oak. What do you think he's going to make you into? Right? He's not interested in squashes. Not for the kingdom. He's growing you into an oak. So God is, God is dismantling comfort in our lives, and that, that is painful. So Jesus says this, and what do they say, right? What do they say? Oh, yeah, we, we can do it. Yeah, we're able. They have no clue. Again, this is the moment where Jesus should lose it if he were Darren and start slapping people, right? Like, you don't get it. Get out of my face, right? And you go screaming off, stomping off, right? But he doesn't. He doesn't. He leans. He leans into them. And this reminds me of Peter, right, saying, I will never betray you. This kind of arrogant ignorance, like doesn't even know himself, doesn't even know his own limits, promoting self, selfish ambition, this arrogant overconfidence But Jesus then looks at the sovereignty of God and his purposes. He says in 40, uh, To sit at my right, to sit at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. You know, admission to the kingdom is by grace through faith. We know that. But position in the kingdom is faithfulness to Christ. Admission is by grace. Position is by faithfulness. There there is, and I don't get this, but there is a reward system in heaven. We, we We don't talk much about this. Right, Because we don't like to talk about earning anything. And for good reasons. We don't earn our salvation at all. But God is not opposed to effort. And he loves faithfulness. And he loves that you and I, when you and I are in tune with his mission, when we're in tune with his heart, when we are faithful to him, when we could be tempted to not be faithful, he loves that. And he blesses that. Position is determined by faithfulness. Verse 41, oh man, the ten were hot. They became indignant. Why do you think they were hot? Why were they so mad? Somebody call it out. We're all thinking it. Anybody? Jealousy. Yes. Because they were the first to say it. And everybody's like, oh, I missed my opportunity. Dang it. Now they're all mad at James and John, right? Yes, they were absolutely jealous. They were all thinking it. They all wanted it. And James and John got the jump. And they all were mad, right? And you guys, this, this was a serious situation. This is like the fellowship could have been disbanded over this. Think about how many church splits have happened over, you know, color of carpet and goofy things, right? Uh, Well, this was probably a a little bit more serious. This really could have wrecked, wrecked the band, honestly. But again, here's that haunting statement, verse 42. He called them to himself. He called them to himself. Yeah, he was about to define spiritual leadership as, you know, according to Jesus, but he called them to himself. It was about being in the presence of Jesus. It was, it was about being near the Savior. You know, when I was going through seminary, I had a professor named Dr. Martin, and um, he, this was, he was such an intriguing guy, uh, very humble. Um, and, and he started telling us one day how he was uh, a C-minus in everything when it came to pastoring. He was like, you know, I came to a point where I basically had a ministerial breakdown. He said, it occurred to me, based on all the feedback I was getting on multiple levels, that I was a C-minus in preaching. He said, I'm just not charismatic, and I, I just don't have the skill set that a lot of preachers have. So he's like, great, I'm a C- minus preacher. He goes, I'm really not that organized, so I'm not a great administrator. He said, and I'm not great at delegating, so how am I going to empower other people? He said, I literally had a breakdown. And he said, and I had to come to grips with the fact that I was a C- minus everything. And he said, but that's when the Holy Spirit began to reveal things. And he said, and that's when I became about this one thing. And you better believe 25 students in their seats are now like, what's that one thing? And he said, this is the one thing. He said, when people are with me, they'll know I've been with him. He said, that's it. He said, I realized my greatness had to come from him in me. And I had to get my greatness from him. And then I had to take that greatness of Jesus to people. And so when I walked into the room, I decided, what can I do for you? He said, when I flipped that script from being good, an A-plus preacher, administrator, delegator, whatever, to being great in Him, being with Him and taking His presence to other people and serving other people. He said the pressure was off. I didn't have to be the greatest of all those things. Boy, He had my attention. I would encourage you in the same light. God is calling you to Himself to experience His presence, to experience the Word But then to take that to the world, to a dying world, you don't have to be great. You have to be great in him. And you know what? We see this in Acts 4, 13, you know, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, right? They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Presence. So God was calling them to himself. And and Jesus gets right in the midst of that. You know, the the best mechanics are the dirtiest, right? The mechanics that'll get underneath the hood and they got oil all over them and you don't want to shake their hand in the lobby because it's gross and that's who you want working on your car, right? And that's a leader. That's a leader in the kingdom, one who's underneath the car, one who's fiddling and trying to figure it out. And again, I'm, I charge the elders here. You know, eldership is not a status that you get to and then, right? No, no, no. You're always under the car. You're always serving. You're always dirty. Jesus got his hands dirty in this situation. He got into their lives. And I charge you to do the same. So real quick, we're going to hit this last bit a lot faster than the First. But look at 43 through 45. Here's that statement. But it shall not be so with you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not so with you. How can we as beacons of God's light shine bright in a narcissistic world? we serve. In the, in the gimme, gimme, gimme world, we're saying, give you, give you, give you. Give myself, give myself, give myself. That's how you shine. Don't be a gimme guy. Give yourself away. What, what are you holding back for? What, what is the thing you're preserving, right? Give it away. Give your time away. Give your best effort away walk into a room and say, how can I serve you? What can I do for you? I had a, um, a man in my life named Ken Grice. He was a colonel in the army. He was a very high up guy. He retired from the army and the army loved him so much they made him vice dean of West Point, the military academy. He was also on my Young Life board, we call that committee. And I would meet with him at least once a month, maybe every three weeks, and I would walk into his office. His office was about half the size of this sanctuary, And so I'd have to walk for a while, and it was a 12-foot ceiling and gorgeous ornate wood, and I'd get to his desk, and I'd felt like I was looking up at, you know, uh, you know, really important p- person, which he was. Um, we would have great fellowship. And you know how he would end that conversation, Darren, what can I do for you?" And we wouldn't depart until I told him something he could do for me, and he was glad to do it. I did not deserve that. And you know what? If we look at Jesus, you know, it says, For even the Son of Man, think about this, Son of Man, the very person who's powerful enough to, with one word, calm the storm, right, dispel the waves, and and, and a holy calm comes to that storm whose word causes demons to flee instantly with one command turns water into wine bread feeds 15,000 people even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom so how much more for you and for me who have been gifted grace and mercy and the very treasure of the kingdom we are jars of clay how much more shall we walk into a room and say, what can I do for you, world? What can I do for you, congregation? What can I do for you, pastor? And have a great attitude. If Chick-fil-A can walk around saying, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure, right? And it's chicken, come on. <laughs> come on. We have the treasure. We have the, in a jar of clay, right? So here's, here's my final little charge to elders. I will wrap this up real quick. Um, what is the difference between a doormat and a bridge? They both get walked on, but a bridge is leading somewhere. If you want to be a spiritual leader, allow people to walk on you, not as a doormat, but as a road, as a bridge to get to the grace of God and to experience His presence and His power. That is my charge. You're a bridge. Don't even push back on that. Don't even give in to the thought that I don't want to be a doormat. I don't want to get walked on. I get it. Me neither. But they feel the same way. And if you are connected to the kingdom, if you are connected to the Lord, then every effort you make in this direction will connect the two, all right? So you walk into a room and you say, I'm going to serve this room. And you know what, elders, again, and spiritual leaders, um, do it in a way that your heart does not become cynical, but seasoned. Seasoned. Do it in a way that your heart becomes seasoned. You begin to see God's track record and grace over time, and your heart stays moldable. You know, elders see a lot of stuff. Elders see a lot of junk, and, uh, and that's not easy. That's not an easy burden to bear. Um, but I've seen elders grow cold and impatient and um, easily angered, and I just want to challenge the leaders in this congregation don't let your heart go that route, that route. Stay kind, stay gentle, stay in control of emotions and know that you're a bridge leading somewhere. Let me pray for us. Dear God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. And I just uh, also think of Galatians 5.25 that says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. God, we want to be in step with you. Uh, We know you're taking us somewhere. We want to be who you've called us to be. We want to do what you've called us to do. But we know that the greatest thing is that we as spiritual leaders, all of us, in the name of Jesus, all of us can be called to Jesus, to the side and to the presence of Jesus, that we would be made more like you, Lord God. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.mercyhillnj.org. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Church House located at 300 University Boulevard in Glassboro, off of Harvard Avenue, adjacent to the J. Harvey Rogers School and near Rowan University. We'd love for you to join us. Please see our website for directions. Thank you again for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast.